Be seated. If that, if that song doesn't rock your world, then you've got no heart. Uh, that, that song blows me away every time we sing it, and I am so thankful that we worship a God who is worthy. If you have your Bibles, will you turn to Luke, the 11th chapter? We start a new series this morning called, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And I am so excited to start this series with you this morning. We'll be in Luke some, but we'll be in other chapters too as we kind of look through the Bible at uh, where the Lord taught His disciples how to pray. Think back with me for a minute what it must have been like to walk with Jesus and, and what it must have been like to have been a disciple back when Jesus was alive. Hopefully you are all disciples now and we are all chasing after Jesus but imagine what it would have been like to chase after Jesus, to have been one of the disciples that were walking in his footsteps, literally following him around and seeing him do things. I, I thought about this as I was getting ready to launch into this, and I thought about how incredible it would have been to see him heal people, uh, see a woman that came up and touched his garment and then proclaimed, uh, he, he proclaimed, somebody has touched me. And he turns and looks at the woman and nobody else can figure out. In fact, all the other disciples are saying, Lord, lots of people are touching you right now. How in the world can you say to, to us who touched me when all these other people are touching you? And he makes the statement, no, somebody's touched me differently. Somebody's touched me in faith knowing that they can be healed. And there was a woman who had this issue and all of a sudden, as she touched Jesus' garment, just her faith makes her whole. And you think that would have overwhelmed the disciples and they would have said something to Jesus like, Lord, how did you do that? Can you teach us to do that? But they didn't do that. And think about uh, Jesus feeding the, the 5,000 and, and preaching a sermon uh, like he did at, uh, at the Mount of Beatitudes where he's uh, teaching them about how we should love each other and how we should care for each other. Uh, it was not too long ago that some of us, uh, dear friends here from Holly Springs, were, were standing in the place where they thought that Jesus might have preached that sermon. And, and to think about it, think about how he was modeling in front of his disciples how to preach. And you would think that they would say right after he finished that, Lord, you're an amazing pastor. Can you teach us how to preach like you preach? But they didn't do that. Think about when he shared parables with them and shared stories that still to this day make so much sense to us. And still to this day is a technique that hopefully I use and you see other people use all the time where they'll invoke stories that bring home gospel truth. And you think they would have said to Jesus, Lord, I don't know how you come up with those parables, but can you teach us to come up with parables like you come up with parables. But they didn't do that. But when you turn to Luke 11, the Lord has been praying and His disciples have been watching Him pray. And they come up to Him and they say, Lord, will you teach us to pray? What kind of value does that put on you and me as we understand Scripture and as we look to model ourselves after Jesus and walk after Jesus 
that his disciples thought the best thing they could ever learn to do was to pray like Jesus prayed. And how many of us, me included, would be honest and say that we really don't pray that much? And that we only pray if we're in trouble or if there's a a surmounting need that we have, but when it comes to just conversation with the Father and talking to the Father about how He is worthy and about how He is good and about how He is kind, how many of us really invoke the very thing that He taught us to do in Scripture? I would probably say that 90 or 95% of us don't pray like he taught us to pray. And that's heartbreaking, especially when he lays it out for us in Scripture, when he says, let me show you the importance of praying and let me teach you how to pray. And so for the next several weeks, I'm going to work on teaching myself how to be a better prayer. And on this journey with myself, I'm hoping that you will come along with me and that you will say, I want to be on this journey also. I want to learn better how to pray and what to pray for and and who hears my prayers and how come he answers those prayers sometimes and how come he doesn't seem to answer those prayers or at least he doesn't answer them the way I want them to be answered. That's the journey we're going to go on for the next few weeks. You see, the disciples uh, never asked Jesus to teach them how to heal. They never asked Jesus to teach them um, how to do miracles or how to have a parable come up like he would be able to bring up. There's other things that he, they never asked him to do, and Jesus would have never told them to do either. They, uh, Jesus never talked to them about, and they never asked how they could be rich and famous. Uh, That's not one of the things that he was invoking. In fact, you think they would have said, Lord, how can you help us to stop suffering in the world? But they never asked him that. And part of the reason I believe they never asked him that is they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that those of us who were going to identify ourselves as, as believers were going to have suffering. In fact, all they had to do is look at the life of Jesus and they would have known it would have been ridiculous to ask, Lord, teach us how to avoid suffering because he didn't avoid it and it certainly isn't for us to avoid. The disciples never asked Jesus, how do we live an easy life? Now, the scripture is very clear. The scripture teaches us and Jesus said to us that we could have a life and we could have an abundant life. But that's way different than an easy life. And we have never been promised an easy life. The disciples wanted to pray like Jesus prayed. And they wanted to follow his model of how to have a conversation with God. And so this morning, we're going to dig into the very basics of what it means to have a conversation with God, what it means to pray with God. And I'm hoping that we'll learn three things at least this morning that uh, as we read these verses about how we can pray. So if you have your place in Luke chapter 11, would you do me the honor and God the honor of standing as we read his word. 
This is Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. May God add His blessings to the reading of His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look for the next few moments about what You want to teach us about prayer, will You open our hearts and our minds to what You would teach us from the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you look at verse 2, you will see that the Lord has... uh, invoke prayer before in the lives of the disciples. In fact, John was already a disciple who had taught other disciples how to pray too. But as these disciples were watching the Lord pray, one of them came up and said, will you please teach us to pray just like you have prayed and just like John has taught his disciples to pray. And he said to them this, when you pray. Let me share with you this three things, maybe even four things. In fact, I know I have four things I want to share with you, but the very first thing is this. It's expected for those who call themselves believers to pray. It's just expected. It's not a choice. It's not do I want to roll the dice this morning when I wake up and see if I want to have a conversation with God. What you are being told here and what I am being told here by the Lord Almighty God is When he's asked, should we pray, do we pray, would you teach us to pray, the first words that come out of his mouth are, when you pray. That's an imperative. It means to you and to me, I'm expecting you to pray. So in your life and in my life, we don't get to choose whether we want to have a conversation with God. We are expected, we are commanded that we will have a conversation with God. Prayer is intended as a dialogue. It's intended for you to have a conversation with God. It's not a monologue. A monologue 
is pretty much what I'm doing now. A monologue is where I'm sharing and you're listening, but there's really no feedback except for the occasional amen every once in a while. Uh, a conversation is where we carry on a conversation. And if I say to Gary, hey, Gary, I like the jeans you're wearing to say, Gary says back to me, what? You're supposed to say, thank you. He, he said, I like your jeans too. That's, a, that's kind of what I was expecting out of Gary. I mean, because my jeans look way better than his jeans. So he should be saying back to me, hey, I like your jeans too. That's a conversation. That's, that's what you have going on. But typically when we talk to God, we get involved in a monologue. We start talking to God and we say, hey, God, here's what I need. Okay, today uh, my finances aren't looking too great. Uh, my marriage is kind of struggling, uh, I, my vehicle is probably on its last legs, I, I need some of this. And so we start our want list with God, and it's a monologue. And we're just going on and going on and going on with Him. And God's up there, and even though you can't see Him, He's up there, and I can promise you He's going, time out. Would you just have a conversation with me? And can we start that conversation off? Like I'm teaching you, like Jesus taught you in Luke 11, with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why would the first thing out of your mouth be, this is what I want and this is what I need, instead of God, you're just great and God, you're just worthy. That's why it's such a joy and that's why you come and worship. On Sunday mornings, some of you say, why do we come and worship on Sunday mornings? Well, you come and worship because you think you're supposed to. Or you come and worship because it's been drilled into your head or because you're going to be guilty if you don't show up on Sunday morning. But if you think about it, if you think about one of the reasons that you love being in here with the family that we call Holly Springs Baptist Church is because one of the first things we do is just worship the Father. We just come up and Jason leads us and we go, Father, you're just worthy. And think about it. You, you think about what we are singing when we sing. We're, we're not singing, hey, God, give me a, a, a new vehicle or God, uh, give me more money. That's not what we're singing. We're singing our praise to the Father for how good he is. And, and I'm so thankful. I did not ask Jason to do this this morning. But I'm so thankful that he sang the last song that he sang because what was that song doing? That song was saying, do you think the Father's worthy? And we get to respond, he is. And that's exactly what the Lord is asking us to do here. He's saying, will you have a conversation with me? And when you have a conversation, it goes something like this. Heavenly Father, we think you are worthy. And then just be quiet. That's tough. Trust me, I'm trying to learn this just like you're trying to learn this. And I've been trying to learn this for 60-something years now. You get it. I get it. It's still something that we're learning. But part of the problem that we all invoke in our lives is we get so wrapped up in just thinking that we pray to the Father and don't listen for a response. But the, the truth of a conversation is when you pray to your Heavenly Father, you can stop and just listen. You know what's going to happen 
if you're brave enough to do that, He's going to answer you. And you're going to hear that voice and you're going to freak out. And that's perfectly fine. I imagine when you hear the voice and you freak out, he'll start laughing. And that's perfectly fine. Because we get so in tuned with just talking and not listening. I mean, any of you that are married understand this. You understand what it's like to talk and talk and talk and not want to listen. That's just kind of how we are all wired. We, we, we want to talk and talk and talk and not listen. But the Father wants you to listen. If your heart is broken like mine is uh, for Ecuador, uh, those of us who have been, if you see um, the emails uh, when something like that penetrates your life, um, the, the email that came this morning was from the missionaries there, Sherry and Mark Cody. And it just said this, we are confined to our house. I don't even know if churches are meeting this morning. Our hearts are broken. Please pray. Well, when I got that email and I immediately went to the Father and just said, God, my heart is broken for your people, for your country, for the people that we have fallen in love with in Ecuador, for Guillermo and for Byron and Mark and Sherry and, and Kati. And I just started naming people that we have met in, in Ecuador, Carmita. I just went down the list of translators and other people who have invested in my life and have helped us to kind of promote the kingdom in Ecuador. And my heart broke. And I just said, God, can you do something for these people? For this country. And then I just listened. And this is what God said to me. I know it all sounds crazy when you start talking like this. And you think, hey, he's lost his mind. That God's talked back to him. But this is what God said to me. God said to me, I love those people. And I love that country. And I have not forgotten. That's what he said. He didn't say, it'll all stop tomorrow. He didn't say, I'll take care of that president and, and do this or do that. He didn't say anything like that to me. He just said, I love those people. And <laughs> you get this when I say this. But he said, I love those people way before you ever loved those people. And he reminded me that as much as I care for those people, he is their God, and he loves them way more than I love them. That's the conversation that God wants you to have with him. He's not some heavenly father that's sitting on some giant throne with a baseball bat ready to beat your brains in. He's a God who loves you. He's the God that just like Taylor said when he stood up here, I just started to say, Taylor, you can just preach this morning. You're doing great, brother. But he's the God who's redeemed you. He's a God who reminds you that you're a sinner, but that he still loves you. That his grace and mercy is good for you. That's the God that wants to have a conversation with him. Listen, I wrote down here in my notes, you don't need to inform God in your prayers. Isn't it funny how we do that? You know, 
Hey, God, do you know about those people in Ecuador? And God laughs. Yes, I know about those people in Ecuador. You really didn't have to, you know, give me a whole lot of lessons on them. I know about them. God knows about your mom that's sick. God knows about your brother who's struggling. God knows about your marriage that may be in trouble. God knows about your finances. God knows about your vehicles. God knows about your homes. He knows about everything. You can share with him. Nothing wrong with sharing with him, but don't think you're catching God off guard. He knows what's going on, and he wants to have a conversation with you about it. The second thing that he teaches us here for sure is when you look at what a lot of people would refer to as the Lord's Prayer that starts off in verse 2. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You've heard it referred and you can probably recite it with me. Uh, We used to do this all the time growing up. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But many people invoke this prayer as this is the way that Jesus prayed. So this is the only way that I would pray. And that's absolutely wrong. What Jesus was doing here is he was teaching his disciples how to pray. If I taught you how to do math, which you would not want me to do because I'm horrible at math, but if I taught you how to do math, I wouldn't then expect you to do math exactly the same way I would do it, but I would expect you to do math the way you've been taught, but do it on your own. You don't want me doing the math problems for you. You want to be able to do it on your own so you can take it out in the life. That's what every math teacher told me when we all proclaimed in math class, when will we ever use this? How will we ever use this? We don't need to know this. And they said, you will. And sure enough, come to find out, I did need to learn how to do math so I could do things in life. I didn't need to know how to do calculus. That junk's worthless. But... (laughs) It's just my opinion, but, but just basic math is perfect. I can do it, you know. That's, that's what we need. That's what the Lord did here when he invoked what I call the model prayer, what most theologians who are way smarter than I would call the model prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed so we could model our prayers after this. So what's included in, in this prayer? Well, the first thing is this. He praises he says, oh, Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. He just he gives praise to the Father. If you want to know how to pray, how do I start, where do I begin, This is I, I'm not even sure how to even begin a conversation with God, the easiest thing to do is just do this. Say, God, you're, you're awesome. I, I just want to praise you for who you are. It's, it's not about asking him straight out the chute. It's not about uh, starting anything off with... Uh, how desperate you are or anything else like that. It's just about how good he is. I think about this when I think about uh, being married. You know, when, when I need something from Laura or when I want something from Laura, I never go to Laura and go, hey, I need one of these or can you do this for me? I go to Laura and I say, wow, where did you get that dress? That is awesome. You look amazing this morning. And then she says to me, okay, what do you want? Uh, That's okay. It's okay to do that, but that's kind of the principle that the Lord is teaching us here. Why would you go instantly to God and start begging for things that you want and that you need instead of just saying, God, I praise you for who you are. 
So he says, oh, Father, hallowed be, the, be your name. And then he says, your kingdom come. So when you go to God and you praise him, then go to God and remember it's his purpose, not your purpose. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. What do we go to God usually and do? God, I want this, and this is when I want it. And I want it right now. And the quicker you can do it, the better it is. But God says, don't do that. Jesus said, when you, when you pray to the Heavenly Father, give him all the praise that's done, and then invoke his will for your life and his will for the kingdom, not yours. When I prayed for Ecuador this morning, I honestly remembered to do this and was thankful that I did. But I, I really said to the Heavenly Father, I said, I don't know what your will is and what your purpose is for Ecuador, but God, my, my prayer and my desire is that your will would be done there and that your purpose would be served in Ecuador. There's got to be a, a grand reason, a grand purpose. And Jesus says that's what you need to invoke, not your personal preferences, but God's preferences. And then it says in verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Guess what? You can ask for physical things. Uh, daily bread is a physical thing. You can go to God and say, hey, my, my uh, vehicle is struggling right now. You can go to God and say, hey, uh, my household is, is suffering with some illness right now. Uh, my mom is, is not doing well right now. Whatever physical need that you have or whatever need that you might have, it's perfectly fine to ask the Father. But it's, it's imperative uh, that you keep it in order. Uh, trust me, the Lord knows when something incredibly tragic happens to you or instantly, uh, I mean, if we, if we were driving home today from church and God forbid that we saw an accident on the road here, he does not expect you uh, to go, oh God, first thing I got to do is praise you. And then the, the second thing I've got to do is ask that your will would be done. And then the third thing I can finally ask that those people that were in this accident aren't hurt bad. That's not what the Lord's saying here. What the Lord is saying here is that you and I are supposed to be in an ongoing conversation with God. Uh, something you do when you wake up in the morning and something you do when you go to bed in the evening, something you do when you're about to eat a meal, something you do maybe when you drive off. I've told you this before, but when we're coming to church on, on Sunday morning, Laura always prays for us in the car, and she'll talk about uh, the Heavenly Father and being thankful and praising Him, and she'll talk about uh, that His will would be done in the service today, and then she might invoke uh, some kind of a special prayer need like a Ecuador or something along those lines. That's what the Lord is talking to us about right here. So it's perfectly fine for you uh, to pray for physical things. The fourth thing is this spiritual. I, I love that it says here, uh, give us our day, our daily bread, and then forgive us our sins, for we also forgive anyone who sins against us. So this is where we are praying for spiritual things in our life. We're praying that we know that we have fallen short. Uh, just like Taylor read out of Romans 3.23, that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and we need His forgiveness. So certainly praying for spiritual things is something that the Lord commands us to do. And then it says uh, that not only would He forgive us our sins, but that it asks that He would 
not lead us into temptation, which is an understanding that we need protection and that you can pray for protection. Um, one of the things, you know, that we did all our kids growing up lives and still to this day is we pray that the Lord would protect them, that he would watch over them, that he would guard them. One of our college students came up to me just a few minutes ago and told me about her little niece that uh, suffered last night and they had to rush her to the hospital and everything seems to be fine right now but she asked me to pray and, and so we took a few minutes before the service started in the back uh, to pray for that sweet little girl and one of the things that I prayed for is that God would protect her and watch over her and that he would keep her from the evil one that's that's perfectly fine that's what the Lord is teaching us here as he models a prayer for us Look at uh, verse 5. I, I love this because he continues to teach us about prayer. And in this section, he teaches us about persistence. He tells us the story. It's a, a little parable here. He says to them, suppose one of you has a friend. He goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And then the one inside answers, don't bother me. And it sounds like you know, neighbors that you may have, you know, you go to them late at night and knock on the door and say, hey, we need some bread. We had company come over. Or we need some milk or we need something. And, and they go, don't bother me. We've already gone to bed. And, and the scripture in the story that Jesus tells goes on to say that he's in bed with his children and he's not about to get up and do anything for, for this neighbor who's knocking on the door. But then he says, Here's what changes everything. The neighbor doesn't stop knocking. And you know what happens because every one of you have experienced this before. But after a while, you just say, mm, I'm getting up and I'm going to go get that bread and get him out of my hair. And Jesus invokes that story to remind us how important it is that we are persistent in our prayer and that we keep going to the Heavenly Father and we keep asking. You know that cousin that doesn't know the Lord that you've been praying for for 20 years? You know what the Lord tells you to do? Keep praying. You know that father or that mother that doesn't know the Lord that you've been praying for for all these years? Keep praying. Man, some of my favorite Stories are stories of people who have prayed 20 or 30 years for somebody to come to know the Lord. And then it happens. And I always look back on that and I always think about how faithful God is to those who persistently pray. Now, I've, I've told you this story before and one of the things that we'll do within this sermon series and so Laura may be mad at me because I may be stealing the story, but I'm going to bring Laura up and some other people up and let them share testimonies about how prayer has affected their life and how, how prayer has uh, changed somebody's life because of, of their influence through the power of prayer. One of the things that we'll have to be careful with, and you completely get this, is it's not about honoring Laura or about honoring anybody else who comes up here and tells their story, but it's about honoring God and how faithful He is to those who pray to Him. 
And, uh, and so my prayer is that there are some of you out there who might come up to me or to Gary or to Clint and say, hey, I had this story about prayer one time where God really did some cool things, and I would love to talk with you about that and see if we can't have that shared on a Sunday morning. But one of the things that I'll never forget about Laura, and I've told you this before, how people bypass me and go straight to Laura uh, to ask her to pray because of her connection with prayer with the Heavenly Father. But there was a, a, a couple... Uh, that were in our church that were having problems conceiving. And they went to Laura and said, would you begin to pray that we would have uh, a child? And Laura wrote that name down faithfully, that couple's name down, and began to pray. This couple had had problems conceiving for eight years, and they thought all hope was gone, that it was lost, that, uh, that the Lord just wasn't going to bless them with a child, and that was his answer, and sometimes that's the way the Lord answers. I get that. Uh, but Laura began to pray, and it wasn't about a year, a year and a half later that Laura persistently prayed, and consistently prayed, as she does for many people who ask her to pray for certain situations in her life. And Laura went down to sit, in the sanctuary on that Sunday morning. And this sweet young lady who had asked Laura to pray walked up and hugged her and said, I'm three months pregnant. And that little girl is about 12 or 13 years old now. And uh, God was faithful to that couple and answered their prayer and answered Laura's prayer. And part of the reason I believe that she answered those prayers was because of the persistence of the people who were praying. Listen, you don't ever annoy God when you pray. I mean, uh, it's, it gets frustrating when your children pester you. I get that. Uh, you know, our children are in their 30s now, and sometimes they still pester us. And it, it gets frustrating sometimes. And, and I, I totally understand what it means to be pestered and annoyed, but you don't ever annoy God. God loves to converse with his children. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. In fact, I, I wrote this down. Just kind of picture this. So if, if there's a king in a kingdom and he rules over the kingdom, then you know that he has servants and people that do everything for him, and he never has to lift a finger to do a thing because he has all these people who are taking care of all his business and doing everything for him. And if somebody was to go to that king in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning and tap him on the shoulder and say, King, would you grab me a glass of water? The king would probably say something like this. Bring me the servant and get this man's head cut off. But the one person who can go up to the king and tap him at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, King, would you bring me a glass of water? would be the one person who would go up and say, King, 
Daddy, will you bring me a glass of water? And that five-year-old king's son would not be pestering the king. The king would be thrilled to get up and get his son a glass of water. That's the kind of privilege you have with your heavenly father. You're the child of the most high king. And you can go to him anytime you want. And you can tap him on the shoulder and say, King, I need to talk to you for just a minute. Will you listen to me as I lay out things that are breaking my heart and things that I know you care about? The fourth thing is what is taught in that same passage because of the persistence of the man who kept knocking at the door. Jesus goes on to say, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. That's what it says in verse 9. And then in verse 10 it says, For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be open. Then I love what it says. It just mirrors the story I just told you. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, though, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father do? Boy, if, if the King of kings and the Lord of lords is in charge of gift giving, we're in good shape. Man, that just makes me so happy to think about if you keep knocking, the door will be open. That's what the, the scripture's teaching us here. We, we've got to believe in his promises. If you keep knocking, the door will be open. God hears and responds to our prayers. Let me say that again. God hears and responds to our prayers. He does. He hears you and he responds. Maybe not always the way you want, but he will respond. Think about it this way. If, if God responded to your prayer the way you think he ought to always respond, then that means that he never disagrees with you. And if God never disagrees with you, you're really worshiping yourself, not God. You don't want a God that always agrees with you because I know you, and that would be awful. I know me. It would be awful if every time I went to God and said, hey, God, this is what I want, God said, okay. <coughs> Honestly, it's pretty good. In fact, it's wonderful to think that we go to God and ask for things, and he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Think about, <laughs> think about all the boats and cars, and I'm, I'm talking guy stuff now, um, dresses and sewing machines or I don't know what I'm an awful woman I don't know I don't know what your garages would be stuffed with but we would have like 10 zero turns in our garages you know it'd be amazing drills I mean I've got five drills and every time I walk into Lowe's I'm going that's a cool looking drill I think I'd like to get one of those and guy goes no You've got five in your garage right now. Don't get a drill. Get the toilet your wife wants. And I go, oh, that's crazy. We don't need that toilet. So she didn't ask for a toilet. I just made that up. It came out of the top of my head. You'll just have to forgive me. i got to figure out a way to close all this out. <laughs> so this is the God we love. This is the God who cares for us. Listen, 
Sometimes prayers don't get answered the way you want them answered. You know that. I mean, I've told you the story about my mom multiple times. You may be sick of hearing it, but you know my mom suffered with brain cancer for two, two years, and then she died. You don't think I persistently went to God for two years when we found out that she had brain cancer and said, Dear God, please heal my mom. Dear God, would you please heal my mom? Dear God, would you please take the cancer away from my mom? And then she died. Was that God being mean to me? Was that God not hearing me? Was that God mad at me? Honestly, I don't think that's the answer at all. I just think I worship a sovereign God who knows what's best for his children and who understands the grief that I struggle with and still struggle with to this day that my mom really did not get to meet my kids and get to help be a grandmother to my kids. Yeah, I, I struggle with that. But listen to me. The thing about the God that we worship, the thing about the Jesus we love, is He gives us hope that overwhelms our grief. You want to know how I deal with my grief? You want to know how you deal with your grief? You want to know how you deal with unanswered or not answered the way you want it prayers? You deal with it because you have hope in Jesus who overwhelms any of the no's that have been given to you in life, any of the grief that's been given to you in life, any of the struggles of the unanswered prayers that you have had in life. You answer it with the hope that you and I find in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. He's the answer to every prayer you've ever been given. And that answer comes in the form of hope. And the hope is this. One day I will see my mom face to face and she will see her grandchildren face to face. And I can live with that. And so can you. You can live with whatever struggle that you're dealing with right now because he is hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we celebrate who you are. We do ask that your will would be done. And Father, we come to you knowing that you are the God who hears and answers our prayers. God, would you teach us just to be better prayers? God, would you teach us to have conversations with you? God, would you teach us to talk to you and then spend some time just listening? God, I don't know that we'll ever be perfect in praying, but God, we just want to get better. Father, you would do us a great favor if you would help us to be better at praying. Father, can we just take baby steps in this area? Will you teach us day by day, moment by moment, week by week? And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.